Hi, everyone. Here's hoping your Christmas season is full of happiness and hope, wherever you may be. And that includes our Armed Forces listeners stationed around the world. We miss you and thank you for your service. Tonight's Christmas Eve offering is a montage of Bob Hope's Christmas specials, one from World War II and another which features Bob recalling the trips they made to entertain our servicemen in 1972. In that Christmas season alone, those trips included bases in Vietnam, Korea, Thailand, Guam, Diego Garcia, and Singapore. Normally we play these kinds of shows at 1001 Radio Days, but tonight, 1001 Heroes gets the nod. We hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, give us a nod with a good review. Thank you. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii by air. President Roosevelt has just announced. We finally noticed Hitler when war broke out in Europe, and a lot of our young men were called on to take their physical. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Military Hope telling you to use Pepsodent and your teeth will never be out in the draft. Then came Sunday, December the 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor, and it wasn't funny anymore. The Pepsi show didn't go on the air the next Tuesday. America was at war, and a bigger star took my place. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. We are now in this war. We're all in it. Every single man, woman, and child is a partner in the most tremendous undertaking of our American history. The USO started sending stars like Al Jolson to the battlefront, Ray Bolger, Marlena Dietrich, and Jack Benny. I got together a group we called the Hope Gypsies, including Francis Langford, Jerry Colonna, Tony Romano, and Patty Thomas. We went every place Colonna's voice could frighten the enemy. You may think that I am a bit wacky. Why don't you get back in the sacky? There's room for two. Your nose and you. Uh And good old Bing did a little dance with us. Frances Langford sang from the bottom of her heart. And her songs brought a lot of these men back home to their wives and sweethearts. decade, hope had it all. Fame, respect, talent, money. Popular elements in the chemistry of the man. The world had global war. He could have stayed home, but for another element, the capacity to give to those who need it most. When he looked into the faces of the lonely and desperate, did he remember that everything human is pathetic? The secret source of humor itself is not joy, but sorrow. There is no humor in heaven. But was it on the battlefield? If so, show me. 
Go on, show me. That was the challenge. Could he make them laugh? How are you, fellow tourists? This is really a beautiful island. This is a concentration camp with coconuts. This is love. Everyone has treated me swell here. I hadn't been here two minutes before they were begging me for my signature. And I'm still trying to find out who had me sign up for the Japanese Navy. I just arrived from the States. You know the States. That's where Churchill lives. Well, he doesn't exactly live there. He just goes back to deliver Mrs. Roosevelt's laundry once in a while. You know what a hammock is. That's government-issue curvature of the spine. I got here last night, so I had to sleep in the barracks with the men. You know what barracks are? 2,000 cots separated by individual crap games. Well, you know, all these boys out here have a plenty rugged time, Francis, but I still wish that I was one of these boys out here. I want to tell you. You know, Bob, I really don't think you could take it. You don't think I could take it, huh? No. You see, you have to forget all about fear. Well, that's for me. And you have to forget all about comfort. That's for me. And you have to forget all about women. That's for them. Hope's odyssey had begun. 80,000 miles around the world, the sound of laughter was heard in the theaters of war. Theaters, they were called. Africa, Europe, the Pacific. We soon discovered, said Hope, you had to be pretty lousy to flop in front of those guys. They were so glad to see somebody from home. And Bob became that touch of home. Back in 1944, we made a tour of the South Pacific Islands. Here we are landing in the Russell Islands aboard a PBY Catalina. That's Francis Langford there. I was still a little chicken in those days, and I had the legs to prove it. This is a rare color footage, quite a breakthrough in its day, but don't let these peaceful surroundings deceive you. Over the next few weeks, 50% of those stationed here lost their lives in treacherous jungle fighting nearby. This may look like a country club, but all the holes on this island were made by mortars. Yeah, this is the 1st Marine Division. That's Patty Thomas kicking up her heels for him. And this is General Purter sitting to my right. Francis Langford. And Jerry Colonna. Yes, sir. Thomas Langford and Colonna, TLC. And they sure gave the guys a lot of it. The only man in the world can kiss a girl and give her the brush off at the same time. There he is. <laughs> Look at that jungle. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Look at that. Careful, careful. Huh? Snipers. <laughs> And Jerry wasn't kidding. During the show, they killed a Japanese sniper 200 feet from the stage. Bob looked into the face of war, and he knew that the horror of it 
could never be really washed away by belly laughter. And he told us what he felt. I've seen some great acts of achievement in the past few years. The GI in New Guinea, the kid in the Aleutians. I saw a boy in a hospital in Esprito Santos lying in a bed, taking on a quart of blood plasma. This skinny American hero looked up, smiled, said, that feels good. Two hours later, they told us that boy died. And there's Salerno and Saipan, a North African, Guadalcanal. And aircraft carriers that went down dragging battleships and destroyers and Nazi subs and planes along with them. Little jungle clearings and road crossings and creeks and rivers without names. The achievement of capturing those places took more than perseverance and intelligence. It took blood and missing limbs and blinded eyes and shattered nerves and ruined lives. And in this show, the biggest show of them all, the manager doesn't have to hang out the standing room only sign because, mister, when this show is over, some of the audience won't be standing. So we've been throughout Alaska and Africa and the Mediterranean and all over the Pacific to all those places where no kid would be if our country wasn't fighting for its life. I'd like to thank every kid in uniform for the honor of working for him. democracy of misery created a comradeship between men unknown in times of peace. And slowly, painfully, the relationship between comedian and soldier took root, a bond of understanding which has never been broken. Boy, what heat. It's the first time I ever laid a fried egg. Just for you. Just for you. Just for you. 
Then came D-Day, the invasion of Europe, and General Eisenhower saw the first men off, June 6, 1944. And half of our program that night was taken over by that familiar voice. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. This is Bob Hope speaking from a P-38 airfield. What's happened during these last few hours, not one of us will ever forget. How could you forget? You sat up all night by the radio and heard the bulletins, the flashes, the voices coming across from England, and it seemed that one world was ending and a new world beginning. The sun came up and you sat there looking at that huge black headline, that one great black word with the exclamation point, invasion. The one word that the whole world has waited for, that all of us have worked for. The word in which America's invested everything these 30 long months. Now the investment must pay for this generation and all generations to come. And folks, what a wonderful thing it is that no matter the price, the reward will be greater than the sacrifice. We hope that thought can go along with the prayer tonight, the prayer of a whole nation. God bless those kids who cross the English Channel. So all our boys really doing a sensational job over there. I mean, one of the greatest jobs, fighting for one of the greatest things that we know of, and that's our country. And you can very well be proud of this great country because we have seen the rest of it, ladies and gentlemen. And they're over there doing, well, the job of their lives. Thanks for the memory. You boys at this here base. You boys who set the pace. Because you're the guys who are going to go into fewer space. <laughs> oh, We'll return to a Bob Hope Christmas right after these sponsor messages. And now, back to our show. From Shemuel Solutions, from Yokota, Japan, and from Camp Casey, and Osan in Korea, from Udorn, Udabao, and Nam Phong in Thailand, and from Tansanut Air Base in Vietnam, from the island of Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean, and from aboard the USS Midway off Singapore, and from Subic Bay in the Philippine Islands, Anderson Air Force Base in Guam, and from Wake Island, it's the Bob Hope Christmas Special. Starring Red Fox, Lola Palana, Roman Gabriel, Fran Jeffers, Rudy Cardenas, Miss World, Belinda Green, 12 American Beauties, and Les Brown and his band of renown. Well, like they say in show business, one more time. Here we go, 78 of the faithful for our 22nd annual overseas junket. 
That big stack of Santa Claus turned out to be Merlin Olsen of the L.A. Rams. If you follow the Rams, you know why Merlin was wearing the beard. And there's a fellow who looks a lot like Jim Neighbors. Oh, I wonder. Hi, Jim. Get a load of those American beauties. They told me to limit my baggage to 65 pounds. I know how to pack. Every time we start down the runway, I ask the same question. How do they know this monster can fly? Okay, suck in your breath and lift up your legs. We need all the help we can get. Made it. Next stop, Shamia and the Aleutians, eight hours away. Seven if we make all the lights. Shamia is a windswept rock in the North Pacific with 800 Air Force men clinging desperately to the tundra. And we're here because Colonel Donald Jolly convinced the Defense Department that this remote, out-of-the-way base was actually a shortcut on the way to Tokyo. Colonel Jolly ought to have a magic act. There's Colonel Hooper out there doing my warm-up. You know, we're pretty fortunate in having Bob Hope and the show come to Shimia. It was quite a uh, last-minute deal uh, for them to work it into the program, but nonetheless, they're here. You know, uh, most of us were keeping our fingers crossed all day long to see whether that wind would hold that they could get in, and they made it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are at Shemya Air Force Base. <laughs> the Defense Department got a letter from up here signed by 300 GIs, two SEALs, and a misplaced Goonie bird. And Colonel Jolly. <laughs> it's the truth. The letter said how lonesome everybody was and how they all loved the Bob Hope show and how much they wanted to see me. And one snow job led to another. <laughs> they got snow, rain, hurricane, sleet. I feel like I never left California. They tell me they had a lovely day here, year before last. <laughs> Sun came out, it was so pretty, they quick froze it, and they haven't seen it since. <laughs> and you can tell what time it is just by holding a finger up. If the wind blows the first two knuckles off, it's time to get inside. <laughs> they call the wind Willowaw which is an old Eskimo word meaning forget your zipper, your underwear just went. <laughs> we were just scheduled for an impromptu gas stop show, but everybody did a big act. It's only a four-hour flight from Shemya to Yokota Air Base outside Tokyo, but we lost a whole day when we crossed the international date line. Try explaining that to your stomach or your wife. They both grumble a lot. In Yakota, we played to one of our biggest audiences, 11,000 Air Force, a couple of hundred Marines, and thousands of wives, and get a load of all the kids. Someone must have told them I was the big bird from Sesame Street. And dig this little number I picked up in Oleg Cassini's Ginza branch. Gee, did those guys win? <laughs> uh, 
thought it was worth it or not. <laughs> Thrilling thing. I thought they were going to cheer, throw babies in the air. <laughs> Take that back to the plane. <laughs> I'll wear that the next time I play with Agnew. <laughs> yes, sir, here we are in Dakota Air Base, Japan. We have to come here. I need a new batteries for my Sony. <laughs> what about this? Is this great? We were here four years ago. We have to come back. The band needed another band. <laughs> The Japanese really went all out with their reception. They carved, Welcome back, Papa-san, in the small. <laughs> this is the only base in the world where you can get a purple heart for breathing. <laughs> I went shopping today, and the prices here are wild. Anything you've got a yen for, you haven't got enough yen for. <laughs> but the department stores are just like ours. Everything made in Japan. <laughs> When you serve dinner in Japan, they seat you on the floor. I practiced this at home last week. I sat on the floor and ordered my wife to serve me dinner. She brought me chopsticks and a bowl of alpo. <laughs> well, better button up whatever it is people button up these days because it's 12 degrees below freezing here at Schoonover Bowl in Korea. This is our coldest show of the trip for one of our hottest audiences. 11,000 guys from the 2nd Infantry and the 73rd Armored. They've been perched here on this frozen hillside for the last four hours. I better hustle. Our landlord, four-star General Donald Bennett, is out there doing my warm-up. I'm ready. I don't need jokes. I got a hat that's lost its yo-yo. Look at this mob, isn't this beautiful? Very happy to be here at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is 2nd Infantry Division occupying Korea, except on Saturday night. On <laughs> Saturday night when they occupy Seoul. Yes, sir, on Saturday night, these fellas all go into town looking for a little soul food. Oh, but it's wonderful to be here. This is my eighth trip to Korea. Now, after eight trips to Vietnam, the Defense Department figure I earned a trip to this glamour spot. <laughs> eight trips. I like it here. Don't stare at me. That line kept me a civilian. <laughs> From Schoonover Bowl in Camp Casey to Osan, Korea is just a short chopper jump. But it was a big change in weather. That beautiful warm sun brought out 12,000 Army and Air Force guys from all over southern Korea. When I asked the CO, General McNeil, if there was anything we could do for him, he said, you might just mention to the folks back home that we're still here. Confucius, the famous Oriental philosopher, once said, when in doubt, change hats. Here we are at Osan Base, Korea. Osan, that's Korean for don't just sit there, call dial a prayer. <laughs> You like that? There's one part missing or something, isn't it? But I got a typical Osan welcome. The cockroaches got information and spelled out thanks for the memory. Man, 
I've never had this many hats. Cooney Range. Never heard of it. Where have you been, folks? What are you, a spy? What the hell? To keep me entertained, when I got here, Colonel Kirk Kirkpatrick gave me a shotgun and told me to go pheasant hunting. I think I'm in trouble. I thought he said peasant hunting. <laughs> Just my size. That's not easy duty here. That's why it's listed as a hardship base. <laughs> You have no idea how tough it is for a round eye to look an almond eye in the eye and be sincere. <laughs> and now let's jump from bleak Korea to steaming Thailand. Our next gig was an old stand for us. Udorn Royal Thai Air Base, 400 miles north of Bangkok and the Laotian border. Here we were joined by two gypsies, astronaut Don Isley, who is now the head of the Peace Corps in Thailand, and an exotic singer named Dolores Reed, who moonlights as my wife. We came to the Far East hoping to join in the celebration of peace, but instead the action was hotter than the weather. Do you ever try to get off the ground with a monologue while 50 Phantom fighter jets are trying to do the same? Kid says, I'll be watching from over Hanoi. <laughs> you couldn't schedule a show for one o'clock, huh? <laughs> anyway, we're happy to be here in Udorn, Thailand. Udorn, that's a native word meaning keep the motor running. There goes another one. This is the home of the hunters. That name certainly fits this base, but what are they going to call it when you get indoor latrines? in Thailand. It must be. You have to wait three weeks to get a reservation at the bathhouse. <laughs> if you can't get into the bathhouse, the guys manage to stay clean anyway. If it isn't the bathhouse, it's the crap game. <laughs> really, you may have a very important mission here. Somebody's got to protect all those Seiko watches. You know, we got another outfit here. Seventh RFS, Ramason Station. Signs out there, Bob. Keep the faith. How about that? 
Reminds me, I gotta send a Christmas card to Don Rickles. back to two a day. Our first night show took us to Utapau in the Gulf of Siam, home of the B-52s. This was one of our most challenging shows because a lot of B-52s had been lost over North Vietnam and morale here really needed a boost. Although it's hard to tell from this reception. How about this for an opening night? Here we are in Utapau, the gateway to beautiful downtown Satahip. <laughs> Satahip sounds like a Greyhound restroom stop. <laughs> Good evening, fellow Utapauans. I'm getting nervous. I'm learning to pronounce this place. <laughs> when I first came here, I thought it was you tapioca. <laughs> See those guys hanging out the window? They are hanging out the window. Room service must be late with the Poo Ying. <laughs> Boy, I want to tell you, this place is really something else. It isn't often you have to fly this far to work in an Air Force ghetto. <laughs> yes, sir, this is the home of the B-52, and sometimes known as Buff. There are also some tremendous tankers here with an un almost unlimited capacity. You can see them any night at the bar in the officer's club. <laughs> Next stop, the Pentagon East, Tonsonut Air Base, Saigon. There's lots of VIPs in our audience today, including Ambassador to Vietnam, Ellsworth Bunker. If he laughs, we get our passports back. And here's his lovely wife, the Ambassador to Nepal, Carol Lace Bunker. And here's a very good friend, the fellow who runs the store. Four-star General Fred Wyatt. Well, come on and let's welcome Bob Hope. to be here at Tonsonut, Southeast Asia's biggest rocket base. Yes, sir. Mostly incoming. Got a few rockets here. I played golf here this morning. When we started out, it was an 18-hole course. When we finished, it was a 54-hole course. Tonsonut is the busiest airport in the world. You usually have to stay in the holding pattern for hours, but I came right on in. That Henry Kissinger impersonation works every time. <laughs> Great to see you. Here we are, Christmas Eve in Saigon for the trimming. <laughs> this is my ninth trip to Vietnam and my last. It has to be. The chicken with my blood type died. <laughs> and I'm 
this Saigon, I we were at such a friendly city. I'll never forget the time a total stranger walked up to me and handed me a grenade. Are those ours? <laughs> This is the last time we've been playing this space, and this is the last time you out there in the audience will be seeing us here. Try not to cry, huh? <laughs> now, we figured it would be all over when we got here this time, but no luck. Not only did they fail to reach an agreement in Paris, but now they're fighting over the hotel bill. Christmas morning to pay a visit to 1,200 Seabees stuck in the middle of the Indian Ocean on a fly speck called Diego Garcia. This 2,200-mile detour was a command performance, our answer to a lot of requests of the Seabees and their relatives. Finding it was only a minor triumph. We were the first jet to attempt to land there. The Seabees had worked feverishly the last two weeks to make this possible. Then we were greeted by a torrential tropic of wind and rain. These CBs were determined to have a show. They waded through the downpour. Nobody budged. Finally, after an hour or so, it cleared enough. And, well, I better get out there and get to work before they mildew over. Where are we? Diego Garcia, huh? That's a little embarrassing because we started out for Honolulu. But we're awfully glad they slid the island under us when we dropped in. I want to tell you that. I'd like to thank you for inviting us here and the flies for giving us permission to land. <laughs> Our CBs here share this space with the English. They coexist beautifully in spite of the language barrier. Some of these CBs have been over here a long time. I asked one guy why he doesn't quit. He said, somebody's got to stop the Kaiser. <laughs> and it's nice to be with you on this Christmas day, and it's the first... It's a little different, really. I've never seen a land crab playing Santa Claus before. <laughs> Last month in Burbank, Red Fox told me he wanted to make the Christmas trip. I thought he was kidding. Fortunately, for a lot of GIs, he meant it. So here we go with our fatigued version of Sanford and Son. And Son? What kind of fool am I? I'm stuck here with this broom. They told me I'm the only one who knows how to clean up this room. What kind of schnook am I? Is this fine work for an aerospace engineer? All right, what am I doing, a solo out here? For having a ball, and it's a great day for going a wall. <laughs> Say, uh, did you call me Sylvester? That's right, Sparrow. <laughs> Come on, crank it up and let's get it started here, huh? Okay. If you want to work a man who's old and sick and tired. You're sick, how'd you get in the Navy? Instead of a physical, they gave me an autopsy. <laughs> Hey, you imagine giving a man with my IQ a job like this? Well, what's your IQ? 23. 
23, I didn't know you were a college man. Boy, this is no life, I'll tell you that. Yeah, sure gives you the miseries, being ordered around, never having a mind of your own, being told, don't do this and don't do that. War's war. I'm talking about marriage. <laughs> I never even get a three-day pass out of her. Yeah, and then they get mad if you send for replacements. <laughs> what are you gonna do when you get out? Oh, I got that all planned. I'm gonna cash in on everything that they taught me in the Navy. How? I'm gonna open up a chain of washrooms. <laughs> Sweeping. Well, I don't know, maybe three, maybe four minutes. We better rest before we get promoted. Hey, what's wrong? You know, you look kind of down in the mouth. I got a Dear John letter today. So what? So she found another guy. Another guy? This was mimeographed. <laughs> Just forget about it. This place is crawling with groovy chicks. I had a wild date last night. Smooth skin, real slinky, and she couldn't let me go. That was no chick, that was a land crab. <laughs> no kidding. You think she'd give me my ring back? <laughs> Who cares? Find out if she's got a sister. Well, look, this is the kind of letter I get with a hole in the front. Yeah. My wife uses the envelope from the gas bill. Look here. Here it is right here. Her cousin Harold is living with us. I didn't even know she had a cousin Harold. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you got a problem. You ought to tell it to the chaplain. You know what? I did that. What did he say? He said, I must make a mature adjustment to environmental factors beyond my control. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What does that mean? I don't know, but they usually serve it on a shingle. <laughs> I wish our replacements would get here. Yeah, there's some new guys got in today. How, really, how can you tell? They were new? Yeah, they were new. You could tell they were smiling. Yeah. <laughs> hear this. Now hear this. Report to quarters and pack your gear. We're going home. This is it, Daddy. Repeat, we're Daddy, going home. Go. It's right hey, what about that? <laughs> yeah, this is it. replacements that's right uh let's go let's go we, we leave in the war yeah wait a minute here hey let's go listen you're the fella that hates war you're against war you don't want no more to do with war uh, what did you say full speed ahead and damn the torpedoes <laughs> Our next spot was a new one for us, Nam Phong. That spot on the map is just a guess. This base is so secret, the Defense Department first found out about it in Time Magazine. There are very few comforts at this remote marine salt mine. It's 60 miles of jungle to the nearest anything. Several hundred of these 2,000 gyrenes camped out all night waiting for the show. Let's have at them. Great to be here. This is our beautiful Nam Phong, Thailand. 
that's a Thai expression meaning you only have one, so keep it close to the ground. <laughs> now, I tell you, I bring you greetings from America. You remember that. It's a big piece of land across the ocean, complete with plumbing and everything. <laughs> Actually, they conned me into coming here. They, I thought six-holer was a golf course. <laughs> How do you Marines like it here, huh? I bet you never thought... I bet you never thought you'd be homesick for Da Nang, huh? <laughs> you know, and I knew this was a Marine base, I saw a guy wearing a Cobra to keep his pants up. <laughs> no, I love this base. It has all the comforts of a vacant lot. <laughs> and it's nice to be working in snake country. It's the first time I've been hissed before I did my act. <laughs> But this is a lovely place to be stationed. If you think these guys are happy, you should see the CO. I've never seen a paper hat with gold braid on it before. The guy who wrote, When You're Hot, You're Hot, must have got the idea in Nam Phong. We had to put ice towels on the American beauty so they wouldn't dissolve before they went out. These gals all volunteered to come here because they wanted to come here and do a show for you guys, and I think you deserve finding out who they are, don't you? Hi, I'm Monica from Illinois. I'm Miss Illinois World. And I want to say Merry Christmas from the Windy City. Hi, I'm Marguerite, and I'm from New York. Anybody out there from New York? Yeah! Hello, guys. I'm Ingeborg Sørensen, and Miss Norway, and Miss Word Runner Up. I'm convinced that in Norway, sardines aren't the only thing they pack. Hello, I'm Miss Kansas, Cindy Lee Sock. Christmas. Oh, I'm 18 and I won the swimsuit contest in the Miss America pageant. Hi, y'all. I'm Melanie. I'm Miss Georgia World. Anybody from Georgia? Any of y'all like to try a little of our southern comfort? What'd she say, try one? Southern comfort. I like southern I like southern gals by the time they say you can't you have. Hi, I'm Trisha Barnesville from Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm Sid Barnesville's twin sister, and we just want to know if there's anybody out there who thinks they can handle two. just turned into a volunteer army. What is that? <laughs> Go get him, Jackie. Hello, I'm Jackie Barrett, Miss Texas World. <laughs> I just want to say the eyes of Texas are upon you. Are the eyes of Nam Thong on Texas? <laughs> Hello, I'm Sandy from Florida. <laughs> We make the freshest orange juice in the whole world. <laughs> we make the freshest orange juice in the whole world. Crosby, eat your heart out. There goes Francis. 
Hi, y'all. I'm Frances Adams from the Bluegrass State of Kentucky. And I just want to know if any of you guys have seen any of our bluegrass lately. <laughs> I'm Pat Price, Miss California. And I live in I live I live in San Diego where all the big boys are chargers. How about you guys? Hi, I'm Gail and I'm the former Miss Polish America from New Jersey. <laughs> Thank you, she was with National Airlines, and she came to me in Miami. She said, I got to go on the trip with you, and she just wanted to come. There you are, baby. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, here I am, back in the road to Singapore. Bing looks good, doesn't he? So that's Singapore Harbor. I prefer the real one back at Paramount. Here we are boarding the USS Midway, better known by the Navy men as the Whale. And the name fits. It's no anchovy. We did the show for 5,000 sailors and Marines, including those from the USS Rich, the Fresno, the Cleveland, the Takeri, and the Inchon. Thank you very much. Is this beautiful? Oh, this is pretty. When's a tornado come in? aboard the USS Midway, pride of the fleet and home of 4,000 Goonie Birds. It's uh, good to be on the Jolly Green Giant surfboard, I want to tell you that. Imagine the job it must be to clean the deck. You couldn't swab this down with Howard Cosell's tongue. The home station of this floating crap game is Alameda, California. The ship... All of you Alamedians, huh? Now, this ship is lucky to be from Alameda. When they have to take evasive action, they can always bring a California driver into the wheel. <laughs> now, the Midway's Park just outside of Singapore, the cleanest city in the world, and after three days shore leave, so is the crew. <laughs> I hope you had luck with the Singapore ladies, better known as Yankee Clippers. really delighted to be here. You know, it's an extra kick for me because one of the first pictures Bing and I made was called Road to Singapore. It was the first of the road pictures, and I've been waiting for 22 years to come back here and apologize. <laughs> we had some fun last night in Singapore. The drummer in our band wandered down a dark street, and some girl asked him if he'd like a Singapore sling. He said, sure, so she broke his arm. <laughs> Destination Subic Bay, the largest naval base in the Western Pacific. And we drew pretty good. 11,000 Navy, two mayors, and a water buffalo. But more about that during my monologue. Here comes my cab. <laughs> Bring him right through there. He wouldn't come up the steps, so we're just wheeling him by. There you are. That's fine. Looks like one of Crosby's horses. Okay, take him up. Take him back. Take him back and put him on the plane. We'll take him right in. We can get about a dollar a pound for him in North Hollywood.
You know, through the years, we've had the privilege of bringing you many of the Miss World winners. And this year, I think we have one of the loveliest young ladies ever to win that contest. Here she is from Sydney, Australia, Miss World, Belinda Green, right here. Gee, Bob, is this what's known as a standing ovation? No, I would call it more of a crouching ovation. Now, are they always this demonstrative? Oh, sure. You should hear them applauding the chief in the shower. Bob, I really appreciate the way you've been looking after me on this trip. <laughs> Please, no details. I mean, who else would take the time to come to my room each night and knock on my door and ask, is it locked? Is it locked? Well, that's the wonderful kind of person I am. You know, it's strange, but everybody looks after me. Well, that's as good an angle as any, I guess. I mean, wherever I happen to be, there's always some kind gentleman there offering to carry my luggage for me. Has this ever happened to you? Well, once, and I'm still looking for the guy and the luggage. How does it feel to be Miss World? I can't believe it. When I heard them announce my name, I just swelled up with pride. <laughs> I'm not going to fool with that line at all. <laughs> well, Linda, four years ago, we had Miss World, who was also from Australia. Why do you think your country produces so many beauties? Who can say? Maybe it's because we've descended from the British, and they're very handsome people. Well, I was born in England. Really? Maybe it's the fresh air and sunshine. How did I get whiplash this far from the freeway? Well, I tell you, it must be exciting to be Miss World. It is, Bob, but I can't help looking ahead a year from now when all the glamour and adventure is over and I'm back home in Australia. Just another girl. Just another girl. <laughs> You're just another girl. Liberace is the godfather. Tell me, how do you feel about a man's age? Is that important? Why do you ask? Well, I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. <laughs> well, Bob, today it's impossible to tell a man's real age. They wear girdles and toupees and have facelifts and transplants. Yeah, it's so disgusting. <laughs> Is my head on straight? It's true, Bob. It's the men who lie about their age. I know that David Cassidy is 60 if he's a day. You're not like that, Bob. You've retained that youthful enthusiasm, and you still have that spring in your walk. What spring? That sup hole. <laughs> Here's a guy that had a rough football season with injuries and illness, but in this postseason appearance for the GIs, he gave an all-pro performance. Here is Gabriel, the mightiest Roman of them all. Roman, I think we all appreciate the sacrifice you made in turning down the playoffs to be with us. <laughs> Well, it was really nothing, Bob. I just threw an interception, and here I am. 
Steve, when you were working out strategy to beat Detroit, didn't you try to get expert advice? We sure did, but the president had bigger things on his mind. <laughs> it's no secret, Roman, but that you've had better seasons. Yes, and I don't quite understand it either. I, uh, I use Gillette, I shave with Gillette, and uh, I use Desert Necks, I eat Wheaties, I comb my hair with Vitalis, I gargle with Listerine, and I wear Fruit of the Loom shorts. Well, what about the huddle? Have you tried Banaka? <laughs> How's your arm this year? I sure wish I knew. Well, I understand you tried acupuncture for your elbow. Right, and they put so many holes in me that I could have worked as a sprinkler. Would it help? Did the pain go away? Yeah, as soon as they took all the needles out. <laughs> did you try acupuncture? Yeah, well, not in the arm. Where did you try it? And it wasn't called acupuncture. What was it called? Overseas shots. <laughs> Roman, this was the season of the running back. You know, Bobby Douglas with the Bears and Greg Landry of the Lions. They ran for a lot of yardage. What yardage? They ran for their lives. I know what you mean. Having Godzilla on your tail can really get you out of neutral. I used to scramble a lot, Bob, but I got discouraged. Now I'm trying a new strategy. Is that right? What's that? Prayers. Well, does it do any good? No, they're intercepting that, too. I'll tell you, Roman, you've been a great top football star for a lot of years. You must have done very well with the bread, huh? Well, Bob, I have no complaints. I just love football, and the money is unimportant. And Jim Brown thinks he can act. But really, Roman, pro football players today earn every penny they get. The game today is so rough, the Dallas Cowboys have a combination coach and chaplain. Joe Namath has so many wires in his knees, he can pick up two channels in Philadelphia. Well, you know Joe, he's never had any trouble picking up anything. <laughs> Have you thought about going into coaching? No, I'd like a steady job. <laughs> so would Nixon's cabinet. <laughs> hey, before you go, is there any word of advice you care to give the young people who may follow in your footsteps? Well, Bob, I would say respect your body and keep it strong and healthy and don't abuse it. Well, I'll try to cut down. <laughs> When you play the game, I think you should play it hard and above all, play clean, especially if the referee is watching. Roman, thanks for joining our taxi squad. We all wish you and the Rams a great football season next year. Thank you. Roman Gabriel. get a special kick out of Guam because it's our final stop, but this time it has special significance. It's the last show on our last trip.
as it's known down at the enlistment office, Fungus Agogo. Actually, Guam's a beautiful place and it's turning into a mecca for honeymooners. It's sort of a Niagara Falls with coconut crabs. One hotel offers breakfast in bed, but the breakfast is wild pig. Morning, a waiter brought up breakfast to one couple, knocked on the door. Look at that, look at that, look at that. Get that over there. Hold him up there. Hold him up there. Get him there. Let's take a picture of him. Does he know he'll be on the menu in two hours? Let me finish this joke. It might work now. One hotel offers breakfast in bed, but the breakfast is wild pig. This morning, the waiter brought up breakfast to one couple, knocked on the door. The groom said, what is it? The waiter said, it's your wild pig. The groom said, one at a time. This is it. This is where we say our farewells and acknowledge the work and dedication of a lot of people who made these shows possible for so many years. Let me just say one thing about these fellas. I announced their names. All these cats out here doing this work here. All these camera guys and all these sound guys. Let's get an extra hand for them, huh? You know, Fran is going to sing a chorus of uh, Silent Night. And then we want you all to join us in the second chorus. And if you can't think of the words, move your lips and we'll dub in something from some other bass, huh? <laughs> Here we go. Silent night, holy night, Seventy-three, and we'll all pray for peace. God bless you.
Well, that's it, except for a stop at Wake Island, where we refueled the band and did a stand-up show at midnight for everybody on the island. About 500 people jammed into the airport. Pretty good laughers for that hour. I hope I can be excused a little sentimentality as I look back over 22 of these Christmas trips and the millions of servicemen and women who responded to our efforts with warmth, enthusiasm, and affection. You know, these 22 years have been the most rewarding and fulfilling a performer could possibly wish for. Let's face it, all a teller of jokes really wants out of life is acceptance, applause, and laughs in the right places. Actually, my romance with the G.I. started way back in 1941 at Marshfield, California. And I still remember fondly that first soldier audience. I looked at them, they laughed at me, and it was love at first sight. And now here we are 32 years and three wars later, and we're still going steady. Over these past three decades, we've been around the world several times. We've gone from Thule, Greenland, to Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean. Heard many languages and seen some strange customs. But that all seems to recede in the face of the grim reality of Vietnam. When we made our first trip to Vietnam in 64, we never dreamed we'd be making eight more. We saw a lot of courageous fighting men from our country being baptized in guerrilla warfare a very treacherous business. Yes, we saw mountains of men, guys who lived with that murderous heat, who tasted the dust, or sloshed through the jungle mud in search of a cunning and resourceful enemy. We'll never forget them. The river rats at Dong Tam, the dust-offs at Ku Chi, the Jolly Greens and the Sandies at Nakon Phanam, the grunts at Pleiku, the Marines at Da Nang and Chu Lai, and all the fighter pilots on the carriers on Yankee Station in the South China Sea. Just a couple of headlines ago, the B-52 pilots and crewmen who braved the flak-filled skies over North Vietnam. They all met the challenge with fantastic courage and good humor. Over the past nine years, we've seen the number of men in Vietnam dwindle dramatically from a high of 500,000 to about 25,000 still there. You remember this scene? This is how we saw Long Bin a year ago. They were wonderful audiences. They waited for us in the rain and the heat, but nothing could dampen their spirits. Well, this is how Long Bin looks now. And this is how it should be. All those happy, smiling, beautiful faces are gone. But most of them are really where they belong, home with their loved ones. All of us who've been on these trips have many vivid memories of Vietnam, the heartbreak of our visits to the hospitals, and witnessing that incredible fortitude of the wounded. We remember the hospital ship off Da Nang, where Vietnamese children suffering from all the ailments that come with war were given expert care and treatment by our doctors and nurses. Everywhere we witnessed the kindness and humanity of our GIs. They went out of their way to help the civilian population with their time, their money and their goodwill. I can tell you that they're more concerned with building and healing than destroying. We'll always be grateful to the many people who made these shows possible, men like Senator Stuart Symington, who started the whole thing, the late beloved General Rosie O'Donnell, who as head of the USO kept us safe and comfortable and smoothed out all the rough spots. Neil Armstrong, who was a living reminder to our GIs of the greatness America can achieve. President and Mrs. Nixon for launching one of our Christmas shows. General Westmoreland cheering us on at Saigon. General Creighton Abrams giving the peace sign. And we'll never forget Admiral John McCain for his inspiring visits at Coochie and Da Nang. And of course, we owe great debt to the many talented performers who made these trips. Jerry Colonna, who was with me from the start. Carol Baker. Janice Page. Phyllis Dillard. 
Raquel Welsh, Anne Margaret, Joey Heatherton, Barbara McNair, the one and only John Bubbles, Jack Jones, Vic Damone, Connie Stevens, Jill St. John, Anita Bryant, Kay Stevens, Elaine Dunn, Johnny Bench, Jim Neighbors, Lola Falana, Vida Blue, Linda Bennett, Bobby Martin, Gloria Laurie, Fran Jeffries, Rosie Greer, Phil Crosby, Suzanne Charney, Teresa Graves, Jan Daly, the Gold Diggers, also to Billy Graham, the late Cardinal Spellman for some comforting moments, and all the Miss Worlds from around the globe. And of course, the greatest band in the world, Les Brown and the Band of Renown. To the Military Airlift Command, the Tactical Airlift Wing, to my travel agents at the Pentagon, to the USO Howard Miller, Harvey Firestone, and to all those who toil behind the scenes. And to the sponsors who picked up the tab for these pictures that we brought to the families of all these great Americans we met on these trips, my eternal gratitude. And especially to the millions of guys we played to in every latitude and every longitude around the world. Thank you for Christmases I'll never forget. Good night.